exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowlers Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and bowling writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ, and a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest has been here many times, and you all are familiar with his impressive bio and outstanding career. He's a former Team USA member and was selected as the top 50 all-time greatest players in PBA history. He's in the USBC and PBA Hall of Fames, and he's equally proud of being in the Jewish Hall of Fame. So, Phantom fans, as you know, there's a lot more, but we need to have time for the show. So here's our good buddy, Barry Asher. Hi, Barry, and welcome back to the show. Phantom, thanks a lot for having me back so quick. I enjoy it. Well, you know, we had a little problem here, and and I want to thank you for pinch hitting for this week's original guest, who is our good friend, Ski Paremski. And his wife is in the hospital, so he contacted me, and he says, I need to take a pass this week. My wife's ill, and I'm going to be by her side, which you and I both know he would be there at all times. So what he did say was, you better get a hold of Barry, because he knows everybody, so have him do it. And you know what? He's right. So I want to thank you for stepping in, Pards. Well, it's my pleasure, and we get to talk about uh, we get to talk about the G Squad. So you can start start that off about a little bit about Butch and uh, Skeel. He'll cover that when he's on, and then I'll go into my spiel about uh, the rest of the G Squad. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our good plan. We don't have anything scripted, but you know, <laughs> Ski and I had planned to talk about our good friend, uh, one of our all-time greats, uh, Butch Gerhardt, and I told you that, and you said that you had roomed with Butch once in a while. So let's start with him, and we'll save the other guys for later. Uh, You mentioned this, the G Squad. What do you have to say about Butch? One real quick thing. Well, other than the fact he was a funny dude, he was, you know, you watched him bowl, and he started on the right side of the approach and walked to probably the center of the lane. But he, he had just a ton of heart. And I think he made the show five years in a row, like in New Orleans. But what I remember most about, uh, well, other than his sense of humor, 
the first I was in the army, supposedly getting ready to go overseas, but fortunately I didn't have to. But in Oklahoma City, in Butch's first title, that's when they had 16 games in the finals, and I think it was after 14 games, maybe 15, with one to go. If you had taken away all of Butch's bonus pins, which were 50 bonus pins at the time, he would have still been in first. Wow. <laughs> so I, I bet you didn't know that one. I did not know that. Okay. So and and the the the, the next point I'll I'll say is when when they had that left-handed team with uh, Batista and Johnny and Butch McGrath, I think they threw Ernie in there as a, as a righty, but. When we talked about that team, they beat my – I was bowling with Stefanich and McCune for a couple of years. They beat us. Mike made a, a miracle spare. Mike's, um, Mike's comment was, we're talking about that team, and he goes, you know who the best bowler on that team was? I said, absolutely, Butch Gearhart. And, you know, we say that in front of somebody. He just – he was just – there's always somebody that was the best bowler on that team. And, like, like my team that won a couple times had a second, the best bowler on our team, Roy Buckley. Anyway, with that being said, I'll 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 leave everything else about Butch to ski when when he's when he when Barbara gets well and he can come on the show. But first, the first bowler I'll talk about is Don Glover. And when in 1966, Don Glover, myself, and Don Russell roomed together on the tour. Don had a like a 65 GTO, and we were, he was cruising around. And I was lucky enough; I had a sponsor that gave me his credit card and you could fly for half price. So I flew and wrote and room with them. But Glover, uh, I went in the army for a couple of years. And when I came out at the end of 68, Don had really, he was close to unseating Dave Davis or Bill Allen as the best lefty. And the, the period of time was pretty short lived, but in a, in a, in a span of just a few years, like, uh, Don won five times. He won the 1970 Masters. I, I remember beating Don, Bob Strampy, and Stramp needed a strike and left a ring in ten. Banged his uh, bang, banged his fist on the approach, and uh, I think he broke his hand. But Don had a few good years, but not as many, not as many as he could have. But he was in the top. He was around the top ten money winners. I think he was. Uh, you know, his, his highest was probably. I think he was ninth on the money list, but he was eleventh. He was twelfth. But on, on the left side, Don was smooth, stroked it pretty good, and uh, he had a he had a hell of a game. He, he was it was uh, it was it was good to watch. But you know, is what might have been the best the best of things. But the next guy is we could talk about Jim Godman all day, and and not and not about the G Squad, which was the most insane group of three people you'd you'd ever want to meet, and you know because you you were their godfather. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've said many times, I have room with those guys three, three or four years, and it was the yeah. most exciting, most fun I've ever had in my life for a short period of time. I, I idolized those guys. They were all great bowlers. They were all great friends. Uh, and if you wanted to have a good time, uh, you just found yeah. any of those three, and you were guaranteed a good time. But, you know, uh, when you said that you were going to do this, I said, that's really cool because, you know, you you knew that group really well, and you, you described Gerhardt as one of the best of all time. He could have been around forever, but he was kind of lazy. But uh, you know, Godman, yeah. you and him had some yeah. heads up tails off and on. 
especially at the Firestone. I don't I don't think you want to talk about that, but go ahead, sure. give us your thoughts. Heck yeah. Well, anyway, about Butch in, in your book, I forgot what the, your book, Butch had the greatest line. The tour would be the best place in the world if you just didn't have to bowl. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, no, God, Jimmy Godman, there, there were about four of us guys that had similar records. George Pappas, Gary Dickinson, Godman, and myself. Okay. George got a Firestone. Gary got a U.S. Open. I got no majors, three seconds, and Jimmy got... He got two Firestones. He won in 67, and they weren't super easy. I think he came out. He might have bowled Steffi. 260, just like it was nothing. And then he he beat me in 73. I washed out out of the commercial. He left a 5-7 and made it, so that was game over. So Jimmy wins a 67-73 Firestone. In between there, in 71, he wins the Masters. He He's... Uh, Comes out of the, the loser's bracket. He'd lost a, a match earlier by a lot to uh, Don Johnson. And then he had some unbelievable rounds. Shoot a th- we both four-game matches. He had 1,000. He had 1,010 or 20. The last two matches, again, Don Johnson, he beats him 992 to 864. And the last match for the title, he shoots uh, 923 to 980. So we've got the 71 Masters. Next year in Long Beach, Jim is, I think, I think Jim was the leader. So he's going for back-to-backs, which Waylou did, and I think Dick Hoover did or something like that. I know Waylou for sure, maybe. Anyway, he bowls Bill Beach from Sharon, Pennsylvania, the bowling barber, and Bill was a, a, a very, very good bowler at that period of time. He'd, he'd won, uh, the, I think, the tournament in L.A., but it was at Long Beach, the uh, auditorium. And for those that were there, had to be the two the best finished in the Masters that anybody could ever imagine. The league probably changed hands who knows how many times. The first match, Bill beats wins 889 to 876. So you got 13 pins there. And the next match was even better, 919 to 914. So he beats Jimmy twice, and he becomes the Masters champion. So Jimmy goes 1-2 in the Masters. And then the year that my best year was 73. I end up second on the money list, Jimmy's third. And if there was no, let's just say, the, the fact is if there's no Don McCune, Jimmy Godman is bowler of the year. Forget the fact that I won a thousand more dollars. So maybe I made one more finals or got two more cashes or something. Jimmy wins the Firestone in 73. He beats Roy Buckley in the World Open. So the World Open was the fifth major, you could call that, or you could call Showboat the fifth major, whatever. World Open, they tried to make it a major. So 73, Jimmy wins the Firestone. He wins the World Open. He's third on the money list. And in, an, in another year, he's to me, he's bowler of the year. So that you, you had to be there to see this, this guy perform on the big stage year in and year out. He had top top 20 money winners. He had a second second money winner in 69, third, like I mentioned, in 73, eighth in 71. You know, and this is this is when he was just getting going, 13th, and you know, he was just we 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 all knew that had his lifestyle been a bit more conventional, you're yeah. talking top five ever. Yeah, he was in, awesome. 
Yeah. He, he was really known as a power player. And actually, between you and him, you guys were the two best inside players uh, that I know of in the 60s and 70s, at least. But what really was amazing was in Detroit, when he won the Masters, he played outside. And, oh, and, yeah. Yeah. So he was comfortable anywhere in the lane, which was amazing. So, yeah, you're right. He, he had a different lifestyle than most everybody. He liked the party, and he lived his life to the fullest. So, you know, we yeah, all miss him still. Uh, well, I'm, I miss him because my wife was bowling in Florida at the WIBC. It was at Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, that Carter house, remember the one? Uh, the first one? Tamarack. I do. And we, and we went to uh, Orlando to stay with Ken Griffey Jr.'s mom. And she was going with us because Kelsey was about five and Gabby, her granddaughter, was just a few months younger. So I had talked to Jim's mother uh, about a week before. And Karuba had told me that, Bear, you, you don't want to see Jimmy. I said, yes, I do. I want to see Jimmy. I, I, you know, our, our, li our lives were, we were entwined together in Japan. We were, we, we were together 24-7. And... Uh, so I got, I got, to, got a car, I drove over to Melbourne, Florida, and I went to the hospital because Jimmy's mom had said, well, he'll probably be here. So I go to that, I go to the facility, I walk into the desk and I asked the girl, a nurse, whoever it was, receptionist at the desk. I said, I, I'm here to see, uh, Jim Godman. And she said, uh, he's in room six. Okay. Whatever. Where's that? That's down the hall. I start walking there, and before I could get to the corridor door, another nurse stops me and said, um, "You, I'm sorry to tell you that Jim Godman is no longer with us. So that was really tough, and they were nice enough to give me the address of Jim's mom and sister, and I went over to the house and spent the day with them, and we had, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about Jim had been coaching and wherever he was, you know, Indonesia or somewhere. Yeah. And typical Jim, just a, just a mess. You should, you know, you just, he, hey, he got married in Indonesia, and I don't think anybody knew it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? He had, you know what? And he had. I, I don't remember his first wife's name, but when I, I, Jim and I, I was in the army in Oakland, so Jim and I hung out a lot together. And he had the first, the first Jim Jr. I think he had more than one Jim Jr. And that and his, his other two wives, Joyce, still a little contact there. I'm sure she talks to – maybe you talk to her once in a while. Alice yes, Buckley, I do. Barbara, Barbara Foremsky and Joyce were, were really uh, close. Maybe Joyce Lemongello. But, I mean, Jim, Jimmy had some, he had some great wives. And he was – people don't – I mean, yeah, he'd want to fight you in a heartbeat. And you didn't want to fight him because he'd knock, knock, your, knock you in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, but man, he was just—he was just a good guy, and and people, you know, they—they they, they know they called him animal for a reason. But and he had a heart of gold; he'd do anything for you, anytime, any place, anywhere. So that's that's kind of kind of my Jimmy Godman story. I, I wish other guys of today, the, the players of today, got to got to know guys like I've gotten to know a few of those guys. You know, some of the younger guys that I don't, you know, that they know who I am, and so. They acknowledge the fact that I, that I got a double once. <laughs> well, there's a hundred stories about Jim, and we're going to do this again someday down the road. Uh, I want to get in a 
a real quick Butch Gerhardt story. Uh, I'm going to tell time. Ski. I'm going to tell Ski. I stole one of one of the greatest stories of all time. But we're rooming together, me and Butch, and as usual, oh, he had to get a check this week because he didn't have enough to go next week, which was the plight <laughs> the plight of most bowlers. And we're at Fair Lanes back in Maryland, someplace. And these yeah. lanes are impossible. The first block he goes out, he shoots 30 over. And he comes back, he goes, they're impossible. He says, I got to go home. I'm not going to make it. Why not? He says, well, the estimate's 100 over, and I'm only 30 over. If I double that, I'll only be 60. I can't make it. So he goes back in that, that night, and he shoots another 30 over. So now he's 60 over. And they've moved the estimate to 120. And so he comes back to the room. He says, I don't even have enough money to go out tonight. I'm not going to make it. And he says, well, tomorrow you might might come back. Nah, I got no shot. So he bowled B-Squad the next day. And I didn't want to go down there and watch because, you know, I didn't feel I would have felt sorry and all that. So about midnight, he gets done at 1030. About midnight, he comes back to the room. And he opens the door, and I'm laying in bed watching TV, and I don't want to have to hear it. But he goes, Lenny, you'll never believe it. And I says, what? He says, I shot 84 over. He says, I'm going to make the cut. He says, but I never even had a 200 game. He says, what? And he says, yep. And Butch had a, a memory that he can't stop. And unbelievably, he, right. said, he said, I shot 195. 198, 197, 198, 196, all clean, and I shot 300 the last game. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. So he made the finals. He made enough money to go the next couple of weeks. But the look on his face, and he said he actually bowled all six games clean. You know, he never got a double in them 190s. But I'll tell you what, he was a thrill a minute. And he was a total character. But like you said, he was tough. You know, his per cash record over the years was unbelievably high about the amount of money he made per tournament. Because he didn't bowl a lot of tournaments, but he was oh, something else. But he, he won he won six times or seven or eight, six. I don't know, whatever it was. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was six, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> It was just crazy. I mean, yeah. Oh. <laughs> let, let me get in one real quick uh, Don Glover story because I'm sure you got a couple more you want to tell. But, you know, he he finally retired, went home to Bakersfield, got a job in the bowling alley. And I was a tournament director for the Western region. So I go down and I says, Don, we're going to have a tournament here. You got to have enough kids on standby, you know, to keep scoring all that. He says, don't worry, everything would be perfect. All right, so he was kind of a character. He never knew what to expect. So I got in there two days before the tournament, and all I see is these trucks coming in, and they're delivering flowers. Now, he had about $200 worth of bouquets put up around the desk and the front desk and everywhere, and the place really looked nice. Everything was beautiful. He had different kind of banners up. And the next day was the practice session in the Pro-Am. And when I came in, there was Don. He had a perfect, uh, I don't know, about a $500 
tuxedo on, and he was the general manager of the bowl, <laughs> and he said, this is a professional tournament, and these people ought to look professional. All the kids were dressed in uh, shirts and ties, and all the girls were dressed beautifully. It was a first-class operation, and he had never done a regional before, but it was the most impressive one I'd ever been to, and I'd been to about 200 regionals, but he made it totally professional because that's what he said. Pro bowling is professional. But yeah, that's that's one of my four or five hundred Don Glover stories. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great story. That really is. I didn't know that, but I know so he and I, let's see, the first Pacific Coast tournament was held at Imperial Bowl and by the airport by LAX and Don and I were like crossing next to each other and I was 18 and he was, I was, he was just 18 because I was, I was older than Don by a little bit. And Don Russell was older than both of us by a little bit. So that's kind of when we started hanging out, he'd gotten a little notoriety. He'd been bowling pretty good as a 18 year old. And so did I. So we just, we just hit it off. And some, yeah, somewhere I wish there was a picture of Don Russell and Don Glover and myself that, from San Diego, from a PCB, but who knows, you know, where that, that haven't well, seen that in we're gonna 50 have to, years. We're going to have to put the, the bird dog on it, the guy that gets everything. Our our friend, Larry Gray, he's involved in everything. He knows everything that's going on. So let's see if he can find this one. This was before Larry Gray's time. This was a, taken at Don's, uh, Russell's mother's house or something. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was pretty cool. He knows all those. That, that summer, that, we met Petraglia that summer. Yeah. Of 66. And uh, shoot, the, the teenagers just kind of knocked the old men on their ass for uh, for that <laughs> whole summer tour. Bobby Jacks, Petraglia, McGrath, Godman, myself, Don Johnson. Don, Don was older than we were, but we never considered him older than we were. No, he was he like was a, a big kid anyway, chewing that gum, yak, yak, yak. He was a character. Yeah, yeah he was our guy. So so that, that was our group. That that was our group. They came, I was bowling the second squad in New Orleans, and Godman and Godman comes down to the lanes, or John. They both come out and said, come on in the bar, and we're going to have a party. Well, I got to bowl. If you, you remember, when you bowl four squads, if you bowl late, then you bowl early the next day. Yeah. Well, okay, all right, I'll be there because, hell, I was 20 years old. What did I care? I was going in the Army. So I go in there, and I said, what's the party? Well, we're going to have a victory party. He says, well, we've only bowled 12 games, and we got 28 more games to bowl or something like that. <laughs> How are we having a well, look at the scores. I said, well, yeah, I guess you, I guess we're, I guess we are going to finish one, two, three. We did, and we didn't care what order we finished. It, it, it just it didn't matter. But we all wanted to win, but we ended up, I mean, we just ended up closing the bar. Or, well, you couldn't close the bar in New Orleans because they didn't close. But we just hung out. And I think it, after 12 games, we might have been 100 or 150 ahead of fourth. Wow. And we just we just put it on them. I forgot who, maybe Tardwick might have ended up fourth because he honestly could play the fourth arrow. Nobody knew it. But yeah. that's just that's just the fun we had. And when Johnny and I were stationed at Fort Ord, the first time we got out of there, December '66, I had driven. No, I hadn't. I hadn't gone home yet to drive my car. That picture of Johnny and I was in a bus depot in San Jose, and we <laughs> took the bus. We took the bus to wherever, 
Jimmy and Sam lived, and we got we spent the weekend with 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 the gods and Baca, and you know there was a party <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, that's one thing about those those days that was awesome. The camaraderie between between all you guys. I mean, you wanted to beat each other to death, and then you couldn't wait to shake the guy's hand when the tournament was over, and then yeah, and, and, then had a good time in the bar. And, uh, it was awesome. But those were the days, Bards. Yeah, those were because everybody went in the bar after they were done for yeah. whatever reason. Everybody, the fans went in the bar, the bowlers, some guys drank a lot. Some guys didn't drink a lot. Some guys didn't have a drink. Salvino didn't have a drink. Richter didn't have a drink. But we're always there, and the fans appreciated that, and we became really good friends with a lot of them. And you know that Jimmy became friends with with a lot of people, a lot of fans over the years. Yeah, they were all fan favorites, including yeah. you. And parts of, <laughs> I'm looking at the old clock on the wall. We're a little bit over time, but, you know, That's... the old clock says we are out of time. And... Oh, we are, yeah. The uh, last time I looked was ten minutes ago. Hey, we got we got this in. I think it'll. I hope it'll be good, man. I thought it was awesome. I appreciate you pitching in, and we're gonna have another great guest next week to talk about. And so I want to thank our sponsors, Storm Bowling, and Brad Edelman from the High Roller, and Dave Kowalski, the bowling guru from Michigan. Cool. So so Barbara, get better. Ski, we're thinking about you from Phantom Radio. This is a phantom. When you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing, well, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me. 